Good morning, adventurers. Hal Stewart, she is a member of Kappa, Kappa Alpha? Chi Alpha. Chi Alpha, which is a club at Sac State. Chi meaning, oh, that's right, Christ, ambassadors. She's going to France here in a few weeks. Bonjour. On Friday. Bonjour. Bonjour. And uh, Adventure is helping support her work financially, but most important, we want to support her work with prayer. Would you join me in a prayer for Michelle Stewart, representing Chi Alpha, Sac State, and Jesus from Sacramento? Okay. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for Michelle. She's dear to us. She's been a servant here. She's helped lead us in worship. She takes care of people in our church and now you're sending her to France and we ask that over the next couple weeks that you would introduce her to the right people that she and her team would inspire some of the French and some of the churches there that are trying to reach French students at a local university please send her angel with her give her safety and uh, help her meet some friends that will uh, be friends for a lifetime in Jesus name God, I want to continue praying. I also want to pray for the churches that are in the Santa Fe area. Please pour your grace into those churches so that they can show your love to all the surviving family members. Please be with first-time responders. Please um, have your way with our, our state and country's leadership to ensure that people are protected and campuses are safe. I pray in advance for our campuses this week, especially graduation at Indercombe and Natomas High School, that you'll keep those campuses safe and uh, that you'll, you'll help us just all be aware of what's going on around us so we can keep one another safe. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations, Michelle. We're thrilled for you. Hey, tell someone this morning, glad you're my neighbor. Glad to be neighbors with you this morning. Or maybe won't you be my neighbor? Won't you be my neighbor? <clears throat> Folks, I'm so glad you're here. We are in the second week of a 21-week series in the Gospel of John. We're going to go through the Gospel of John verse by verse from Mother's Day to Halloween. Are you in? We're going to do it. And so some of you are thinking, wow, wow, wow. Here's the deal. Do you ever feel like you need a reset personally? Like you need to reset. How do you reset? You wash your car, right? You, you wash your car once a quarter. Or you reset by, if, you're, if, you're, if you own a home and you have to manage your yard, you reset by deciding there's some shrubbery I don't need anymore. I'm just going to cut this stuff down. It takes too much work to maintain. Or some of you might say, you know what, I need to reset because this diet I have, the seafood diet, whatever I see, I eat, it is not working for me. Or you might be saying, I need to reset in, in my marriage and family life. I'm not communicating very well or listening very well. There's conflict. I need to reset in how I communicate at home. Some of you are like, you know what, I'm just exhausted. I'm tapped out. I'm so tired I can barely stay awake. Someone bring me a coffee now. I need to stop being online so much because it's tiring me. I'm getting tired of being online. Anybody? Okay. Oh, not a person here. 
and, uh, you know, such a good church. And, you know, I'm just, I need to reset. I need to change my rhythm, change my routine. Something's not working. Do you know in our country, over 200 years ago, our country said we need to reset. We need to reset. And the way our country reset is they said, we're going back to the beginning. We're going back to the beginning. They had something very in common with the the biography that we're going to look at that was written by Jesus' very best friend. Jesus' very best friend was John. Had I been there, it would have been me. But his very best friend was John. He loved John. They They were really close. And he said, we need to reset everything. For the Jewish mind, for the Hebrew, for the for the Jewish mind, for the Greek mind, for the Roman mind, and so he he goes way back to the beginning, and he asks the question, "Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus?" And Jesus told us, "You know, you've you've experienced a reset if you're experience, experiencing abundant life." He said, "I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly, and it's not dependent upon your circumstances, although some although we're we're the understanding is we can grieve." Through tough circumstances, we're expected to. I can tell you this afternoon, Nelda Vargas and her extended family is going to be uh, grieving over the loss of Gammy, mid-40s, owner of the Philippine restaurant on Arena and Truxley, he passed away in San Diego. He didn't, wasn't able to beat uh, cancer, so consider his family. You can see some of the stuff online. We grieve, but in the midst of grief, we know that when we come out of it, there's abundant life. That Jesus is with us now, and he wants to bring us life each and every day. That joy can be experienced again in the future, even when you survive grief. But it all comes down to who's Jesus. And you got to go back to the beginning. Do you know what? That's what our 53 delegates, delegates in multiple states did in 1776. This is what they said. And when I get to the red, you got to read with me because you're an American. You might not be a proud one, but you need to be one. Here we go. We hold these truths to be self-evident that do you men and women are created equal? Yeah, and that's men. That's generic. That's men and women. You believe men and women are created equal? Yeah, yeah. Turn to your spouse and say, yes, sir, or yes, ma'am, with certain unalienable rights that among these are are you in for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? It's all subjugated on whether, for our early forefathers, that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator. Wow. Here we go. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends. By the way, not trying to create a rebellion here this morning. In case you're thinking, this is exciting. No. It is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government to reset laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Safety and happiness. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other. Isn't that awesome? 1776. So to reset and to remove themselves from the tyranny, the tyranny of Britain, and they were Britain, they were... I'm reading the history of the English-speaking peoples right now. I'm halfway through. 
They got issues. They got issues. Good wedding, though, yesterday. Did you see the wedding? Was that awesome? Great wedding. Did you see the queen's outfit? Love the lime. Here we go. Here's what's happened in our country per, of, per Russian philosopher Solzhenitsyn. He says this. More than half a century ago, while I was still a child, I recall hearing a number of older people offer the following explanation for the great disasters that had befallen Russia. Men have forgotten God. That's why all this has happened. Men have forgotten God. What's going on in our country? We've told people, we've, told, we've raised our kids saying there is no authority. You do what you want. There is no moral standard. You do what you want. There is no God. And then we, we're surprised when they do what they want. And so we need, really what we need is fathers and mothers to make certain that is for them and their own household, Jesus is the Lord. That's what we need. It's going to start there. Solzhenitsyn also said, the problem with Americans is they have everything. Well, that's hurtful. Because some of you are just like me. You're saying, I don't have everything. Have you seen my neighbor's car? That's the car I need. (laughs) Or I don't have everything. Have you seen my neighbor's house and kitchen? Oh, that island, it's huge. The floor, oh, I don't have everything. Or have you seen my neighbor's spouse? Oh. That's called, yeah, we don't do it there. <laughs> okay. I don't have everything. So that's the problem is Americans are, are plagued with discontent. We don't have everything. We, we go to the store at Rayleigh's. We only have 180,000 items to pick from. We're so poor. You go to Russia and go to the grocery store, you know how many items you have to pick up, pick from? 100 or 200? Nah, that's a little mean. It might be more than that. It's not 180,000. We say we have everything. We don't have everything. We always want what? We want more. We're addicted to. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have an addiction. It's for more. <laughs> you always want more. And here's what, I, here's what I think. I think that you can be a Northern Californian enjoying, I think, the best place to live in right here where we have access to everything. And you can be a Christian and be so distracted by more that you're not experiencing the abundant life that Jesus wanted to give you. And the key to understanding the abundant life that Jesus wants to give you is, the, is realizing the most important thing, that God loves you and you Love him and you love yourself because he loves you so much. And when you get that, ah, you don't need more. You just want more of Jesus. So let me just tell you kind of where, where, where John falls. So the Gospel of Matthew is like the History Channel. It's a docudrama. It's, it's origins of, of Jesus. The Gospel of Mark is like headline news. It's all action action. How many of you guys like an action movie? It's action. It's short, it's quick, it's to the point. The gospel of Luke is CSI. How many of you like CSI? How do you do that? Oh, late at night. Do you watch it late at night? So hard on us husbands. Why do you do that? The gospel of Luke is all, is all, is all science. Okay, he's a doctor. He gave a lot of details, especially the healings. The gospel of John is soap opera. The Gospel of John is 
is drama. It's emotional. It's this is us. Anybody watch this is us? It's real. That's what the gospel of John is. And John was in very close proximity to, to Jesus. He had access that nobody else had, especially in Jerusalem around the priestly quarters. So he gives you detail nobody gives. He also gives you seven miracles that nobody gives. And I think kind of a good overview, this is a more academic overview, is that it's kind of interesting that Matthew, written to two, was written to the Jews, Mark, written to the Romans, Luke, written to the Greeks, and John, written to everyone. It's fascinating. Matthew features Jesus as the mighty king. That's why it starts off with that long genealogy to show that Jesus was a humble servant. That was important from David. Mark shows you that that Jesus was a humble servant that was important for the Romans to see, who really valued authority and power. Luke identifies Jesus as the Son of Man, fully man, fully God. And John refers to Jesus as the Son of God, God in the flesh. Is that important for us to understand? Some of you are on this journey with us going through John. I've challenged you this summer to read John in its entirety. Some of you are not readers. You like lots of pictures. One one chapter every Sunday is long. You can read it in an hour and a half. Read it one, one chapter every Sunday night. And read it aloud to your family. If no one wants to participate, just say it really loud so they have to hear it. <laughs> and as, as, as we go through these ser- this series, I got to tell you, you can see this, the name on the very bottom of this quote, Wearsby. That's the author of a great study tool for John. So if you want to buy a companion tool, buy the Wearsby study companion tool. You can actually download it on your phone or iPad. It's awesome. It's very simple too. Nothing too heady. If you want something really heady, nerdy type, like weird, don't hang out with me, I'm weird, then then buy D.A. Carson's The Gospel of John. D.A. Carson, brilliant uh, teacher. Why would you want to master this material? Who cares? So what? Here's why. What if every one of our other questions found alignment with these questions? Is there God? Who is God? And who am I in relationship with God? What if the way for you to reset and really experience life is by letting this book get a hold of your mind, your heart, your soul, your body. It could change everything for you. And now I begin. The way John begins, he goes, unlike any of the other biographers, he goes all the way back to the beginning. Like our forefathers from New Jersey and North Carolina, they went all the way back to the beginning and said, it all goes back to our creator. John says, Jesus goes all the way back to the beginning before the heavens and earth were even formed, Jesus was there. The more you learn about Jesus, you're either going to like him or dislike him. The more you learn about Jesus, you're going to either be like, I don't believe that, or you're going to be like, oh, my word, pun intended. He is the word. Here we go. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning. He was with God in the beginning. He's talking about Jesus here. And to understand the word, I think Wiersbe actually says it the best. Oh, my word, I am a mess. Would would one of the team members put up that Wiersbe quote for me? (laughs) 
Much as our words reveal to others our hearts and minds, so Jesus Christ is God's word to reveal his heart and mind to us. Jesus is God's word to reveal God's heart and God's mind to us. Now, gentlemen, could you take me back to the first slide of John 1-1? Thank you so much. Would you thank the AV team for meeting the... Uh, they're awesome. Thank you, gentlemen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. That's, bef- that's while the earth was formless and void. That's when God said in Genesis 1, let us make man in our own image, the plurality of God. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. That sounds like that's, that's, that's the same thing of Paul's letter to the church at Colossae. By him, all things have been made, and through him, and by him, all things hold together. Jesus. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Do you know where the largest church on the planet is today? In South Korea, half a million people plus. They don't hold one weekly service together. It's, they meet in stadiums, small groups. Yeah. <laughs> Let's have a small group talk, 50,000 of us. They overcome the darkness. You know one of the fastest, where the fastest growing church is? China, where it's illegal. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. That word witness is a legal term for giving a testimony. And you know who this John was? He was Jesus' cousin. Jesus' cousin. Surprise, surprise, God might use your cousin. The one you don't like, he might use. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, again, is Jesus just a good guy? Nice guy, good teacher, generous, nice. And though the world was made through him, the world did not receive him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him, did they? Mm -mm. Rejected. How come? Because of who he said he was. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become, can you say it with me? Children of God. You know what I I recognized? I'm not always going to be a pastor. I'm not always going to be a father. I'm not always going to be a husband. But I'm always going to be God's child. And I think that's where we all got to start. First, I'm God's child. Then, then, Then I'm a parent. Then I'm a spouse. Then I'm an employee. Then I'm a super... Firstly, God's child. That's where identity starts. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. That's why Jesus said, unless you're born of the water and spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. You've got to be born again. Okay, I've got three essential truths about Jesus that I think will help you answer the question, who is God? Is there a God? Who is God? And where am I in relationship to him? You ready? Are you ready? Okay, here we go. Ned, are you ready back there? 
All right, let's go. Here we go. Who he is, Jesus is God. Completely God in his entirety. And some of you are like, I, you lost me. Done. How can you be a son and be God? And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So if you have come this morning and you have a real like, God is like the mean old sheriff. God is like the mean old judge. God is like some guy that's always after me, trying to catch me doing something wrong. Let me tell you, Jesus wants you to see that he is the full representation of God. Let Jesus reform your view of God. Jesus is God. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Still struggling to wrap your hands around the Trinity. So this is just simple. I mentioned it last week. Think of an egg. An egg has how many parts? Three, shell, white, and the yolk. It's real simple. It's too simplistic, but it might help you a little bit. That's as deep as I go. Who is Jesus? Jesus is God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Through him, all things were made. That's a powerful identity. Makes you think twice about ever using his name as a, as a cuss word, doesn't it? It's like, uh-uh, ain't going there. No. <clears throat> when Jesus was in dialogue with his, uh, his followers, he referred to himself in a way that got him killed. You know that when Moses appealed to God and said in about 1500 B.C., You want me to go to Pharaoh and tell him what? Tell him, let my people go? You want me to go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go? And you know I'm not a good speaker. I I, I keep saying, um, 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 all the time. I can't do it. And God said, yes. And, And Moses said, well, whom do I tell him has sent me? And God said, tell them that I am has sent you. Oh, that'll work. I am has sent me. Oh, hey, Pharaoh, have you not heard of the I am? I am has sent me. Fast forward 1,500 years, and Jesus says of himself, I am the bread of life. All the metaphors. I am the door. You get stoned for this. They tried. I am the good shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes believes in me will live though he dies. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. And I am the true vine. He who remains in me and remains in my word will produce much fruit. It is my Father's will that you produce much fruit. Jesus is claiming to be not just an influencer of Western and Eastern civilization. Jesus is claiming to be the very God that sent Moses to Pharaoh 3,500 years ago. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's a big deal. Yeah, that's a big deal. He's got authority. Yeah. So how do, we, how do we take a next step with Jesus being God? So this is what I want you to do this week. We challenge all adventurers to give him 15 minutes of every day. You can have a cup of coffee first, but after that, first 15 minutes. Give him 15 minutes, five minutes of giving thanks, five minutes of listening to some good music, like some worship, Christ-centered music, and five minutes of reading some scripture. John would be a great one to be in because we challenge you to read John this summer. As you give Jesus your first 15, this week I want to challenge you to simply ask the question, is there a God? 
Is there a God? You're an atheist. What kind of qualifications would you want or expect in God that Jesus himself hasn't met? Just be honest with yourself. Be intellectually honest. Okay. And if you need some help, there's some great books. Joshua McDowell, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Any of the Lee Strobel books, uh, Case for Faith, Case for Christ are great. He was a Chicago Tribune editor, journalist. He writes very clearly. Um, those resources will, will help you with those kind of questions. Second, second essential truth, the first is who is Jesus? He's God. The second essential truth is why did he, why he came, Jesus came to bring hope. Jesus came to bring hope. I've said it, I think, a couple weeks ago that first comes faith, then comes hope. If you don't have faith in today, there's no hope for tomorrow. Hope is really critical for you personally. You've got to have hope that you're going to get through school. You've got to have hope that your marriage is going to get better. You've got to have hope that if you want to get married, that God has someone really good out there for you. You've got to have hope that your job, as hard as it is, you're going to get better at it. Yeah, you're bad now, but you're going to get better at it, okay? Okay? Because God loves you. Jesus came to defeat darkness. He provided clarity. Let's read this together. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus came to defeat darkness in your life, and we experience darkness. We still are, we're still vulnerable to it. Secondly, Jesus came to defeat doubt and give us certainty. And that's why when you become a Christian, you love God with your mind. You don't leave your brains at the door. You love him with your mind. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. God wants to satisfy your mind. He wants you to be very comfortable in a science class, very comfortable in a physics class, embracing both logic and science and the Bible. You don't have to separate them. And he came to offer adoption. God came to offer you security. He wants to be your father. He wants you to view yourself as his child. His child. And I know that sounds kind of mushy, but there's a lot of things about children that are worth emulating. Children are courageous. They have hope in every situation, right? They believe some of them are already counting days down to Christmas. They have that kind of faith. Children are, they, they're... They're like, this is going to happen. They believe anything can happen. They actually believe that verse that says, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are. They have that kind of faith. Yet to all who did receive him, he gave the right to become children of God. You believe in Jesus. You receive adoption. You achieve being a child of God just by believing in him. It's not what you do. It's by believing that what he got done on that cross was for you. Paying the penalty for all of your sins so that in real estate terms or lending terms, your mortgage is at a zero balance. And you can't change that. How many are in for that kind of loan? <laughs> right? He came to offer adoption. We saw this happen in the last couple weeks. This is Brian Painter. He's age 64. He has been homeless for three years. He 
and I double-checked this, he actually was the victim of a hate crime. Some, some people shot him in the head with an airsoft gun, and it blinded one of his eyes. He already had diabetes, and he shortly thereafter lost blindness in the other eye, completely blind. But to help him earn an, in- help him earn an income, and he's a Temple University graduate, but to help him earn an income, he would get on the bus, go to San Francisco, and, and pick up a newspaper for homeless. And he would bring it back here to Sacramento twice a month and sell it. To in our Compassion 365 ministry, he's been homeless for three years, and adventurers in our Compassion 365 ministry have been working to help him for the last seven months, face-to-face, hand-to-hand helping him. And in the last week or in the video, adventurers got him a beautiful single-story home. I've seen the video. Beautiful place that he gets to live in because he was... He was he was eligible for all this, and they got him a place um, to, to be in. His biggest challenge right now is um, being alone. He's so used to being out in public, and now he's got his own home, so he's got to kind of wrestle with that. But we're just celebrating that hope is real, and it changes everything. And if Brian Painter can have hope, age 64, blind, um, struggles with, with bipolar, then there's hope for all of us, right? Aren't we all like Brian? Don't we all need hope? We do in one area of our life or the other, and God provided for him. So, by the way, he does need some furniture for his new place. He has nothing in it. Please don't imagine everything in your garage now going to Brian, but maybe you have something nice, right? (laughs) Sometimes with the church, we're like, oh, the leftovers, we'll give those away. No, give them your best. Give them something and, and if you're interested, go to the Resource Center and say, we want to we help with this new home. Sweet. We hope to have him here in the future. But Jesus wants to bring certainty, clarity, and confidence to our hope right now, right where you're at right now. He's in the trench with you right now. Doesn't mean you're not going to experience difficulty. Nelda Vargas, I shared, I think, earlier, lost her husband uh, last Monday night. Services are this week. It's, it's unfortunate. Some of you may remember Nelda and Gammy. They helped start Adventure. Um, it's, we go through tough. Oh, this is him. We got it. This is him in his new apartment. I, I focused on this, believe it or not. Yes, you did. I, 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 I don't want Daphne to embarrass me. He gave us permission to share this. I worked my way through school. Yes, sir. I worked I, I work for my uncle. Mr. Blake. I worked with my uncle. Then I worked with a school. Then I came back to my uncle. Oh, Mr. Study. Blake. Don't cry, Mr. Blake. I, I had no life. Let me tell you something. I had no life for about five years. I mean, but because I made sure my mother made sure she had a college graduate. You know, I'm the only one to graduate. Oh, yeah, boy. School. So I know I can do this. You hear me? I know I, know I can do this easily. Yeah. Yeah, because, because, because I worked for it. Oh. It's, it's, it's not... It's, 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 there's there's no uh, shortcuts. Right. I, I work. Believe it or not, I work for this. I, Look I work at for this. Eight, days in. I work ten hours. Hey, I'm gonna take a video of your apartment so James can see it. You go. You go right ahead. Tell James to come on over. Oh, I will. Hey, we're gonna be regulars. You gonna be regulars. Yeah. As long as you'll be ready. Let me know if you next door. You want to see? But yeah, my blinds are there for you. 
Yeah, here's this is the dining room. <laughs> I'm a part of the team. This is the kitchen. Oh my gosh, he has a washer and dryer. Oh my gosh. Don't cut so, that up right. You love clean clothes. Oh, the cabinets are beautiful. The cabinets are beautiful. The cabinets pretty. Yeah, they brand they brand new. Man. In the middle of the fill around for it. Knock it, knock around. How you doing? You got it already. Maybe I should bring my dog. Bring your dog She's potty trained. Okay, she's potty. She's potty trained. I don't want her to. You bring animals here. But, but, you know, I work for this. I, I know it's hard to believe you believe, but I work for this, believe it or not. I mean, you help me, but I, I believe it or not, I, I work. I Mr. Blake, I couldn't, I I couldn't have done it unless you wanted it to happen. Yeah, good point. Does that make uh, sense? That makes a lot of sense. Brian Blake. Experienced hope. Is there hope for... For you? Is there hope for your spouse? Is there hope for your kids? Hope for your neighbor? I say if there's hope for Brian, there sure is. It's tempting to just dismiss you. You're dismissed. Have a great week. Can't do that. How? How do we experience that kind of hope? Have you heard the song? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. Is in you. Sing it with me. Two, three, four. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. Point to your neighbor. Is in you. One more time. A little louder. You guys are weak. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Some of you aren't participating. Is in you. Is in you. Participation needs to go up. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Is in you, is in you, yeah, yeah, that's how, that's how. All right, third question, third essential truth, where is he now? Where is Jesus now? He's at the right hand of the Father, but he's also here. Did you know that? So the word became flesh. John is trying to make it very clear to the Greek mind. This is written to Greek, Romans, and Hebrews, Jews. The Greeks really struggled with the flesh being something that was good. I think they were overly influenced by stoicism, control, and so they struggled with the idea that anything that, that had to do with the flesh was something we couldn't control, and so they struggled with the idea that God would come in a body. But John's trying to make it very clear. Jesus was fully man, yet without sin. Fully God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Say it with me. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Remember what we talked about last week? People that are just full of grace becomes meaningless. People that are only full of truth, they're hurtful. Stop it. Jesus had both, full of grace and truth. Okay? 
How many of you are married to someone and one of them's really good at being gracious to their kids? Oh, you could do no wrong. The other's like, you can't handle the truth, right? We need both. Both, okay? Jesus was full of both. All right. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me, he surpassed me because he was before me. This is Jesus' cousin, John, talking about Jesus. John, John the Baptist, that is, he was born before Jesus. And he's saying Jesus was before him. Are you getting that? He's saying Jesus was the pre-existing one. And he says, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we've all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. And that him there, the antecedent, is the Father. Jesus has made the Father known by the way he conducted himself. So if you have God issues, if you have Father issues, let Jesus heal those. He is, he is a full representation of the Father. Jesus did not come to just show the way, but to be the way. Any of you into horse racing? One of you? One? We got one? Have you heard about Mike Smith? This guy's awesome. So he won the Sandy Anita Derby on Justify. It's a great name for a horse, Justify. And then he won the Kentucky Derby for the second time. And the first thing he said when he, after he won was, praise Jesus. It's a good thing to say. And then he won, I think over the weekend or recently, he won... The Preakness at Pimlico. So he's three for three. If, my, if I heard it correctly, hasn't been done since the 1860s, those three. Of course, the Belmont's coming up. The Belmont's coming up. Okay. Some of you are wondering, is he using that finger? No. <laughs> the Belmont's coming up. Okay. But I love this guy. He's, he broke in his hip once when he fell off a horse during a race. He broke his back once. Super humble guy. Super humble. And he, uh, he keeps integrating this kind of language that's so like a child, someone who's a child of God, someone that's born of God, somebody that's, is his net worth? $306 million. He's good with horses. Some of you are thinking, wrong career choice, should have been a jockey. Problem is you don't get to eat. I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. Praise Jesus. And you know what I hear him say all the time that really speaks to his submission to the Father? He says, Lord willing, Lord willing, yeah, Lord willing, justifying us, we'll get in that right lane. Lord willing, Lord willing, where does that come from? That comes from someone who realizes that part of being a child is submitting to the Father. Lord willing, do any of you have grandparents to say, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise? Anybody? Lord willing. That means they view everything under the authority of the word, Jesus, Lord willing. When's the last time you said, Lord willing? Jesus' brother James said, don't boast about what business you're going to do. Instead, say, Lord willing. Just like Mike Smith. Lord willing. Lord willing will win the Belmont. The good Lord willing. Here's where we've been. What if every one of our other questions found alignment with these questions? Is there a God? Who is God? And who am I in relationship 
to that God. Am I God's child? Brian? 